Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Welcome back, and thank you so much for tuning in to this new episode of Messy Closet. I am coming to you from the Podbean app, and I'm really excited because I am talking about one of my favorite albums of all time, Thriller, by Michael Jackson. So let's get started. All right. Thriller is the sixth studio album by Michael Jackson, and it was released November 29th, 1982 by Epic Records and produced by Quincy Jones. Now, 40 years later, more than 40 years later, it's still timeless and it's cemented Michael Jackson as the king of pop. It's still regarded as the world's best selling album of all time. And it's just amazing because we went crazy, crazy over this album. I mean, he's in that white suit with the black shirt and he's leaning back and, you know, lights on him perfectly. And we knew in the 80s, like Luther Vandross had the lean and Lionel Richie had the lean. If you had the lean in that album, it meant you were so damn confident in your ability to put your art out there and know it was going to be sold and make millions that you had that lean, that confident, confident lean. So I want to give you guys a bunch of fun facts about the album, a lot of the songs, and something that has just brought me joy. Because I remember when my aunt, my mom's youngest sister, brought home the Thriller album because she was born in the same year as Michael Jackson. They're pretty close in birthday. And um, she loved him too. So we would play this album over and over and over again. Now remember, the Thriller video did not come out until a year after the album. So we were like singing these songs long, long before. So let's check out some great fun facts about Thriller. Checking out this great website. Um, it's Jack 96.9 radio station and they have 33 or 35 fun facts about Thriller. All right. So let's check this out. So, November 30th, 1982, this was the start of the red leather jacket. This was everybody wanted the jacket, everybody wanted the glove, everybody wanted the whole thing. And if you are a Corey Feldman fan, you can see because he and Michael Jackson were very good friends and used to dance together and, you know, do all of these things. And he used to dress exactly like Michael Jackson with the hat and the jackets and the button down shirts. And you could see a lot of Michael's influence in his music and dance today. So no matter what you think of Corey Feldman, I think he's fantastic. And a lot of his music and that style comes from his friendship with Michael Jackson. So it's the best selling album of all time. And it had 65 million units sold. And it could now possibly be more than 100 million if you counted any bootlegs or unauthorized versions. So it was also critically acclaimed. It won 
eight Grammy Awards, including 1984's Album of the Year, and it spent 122 weeks on the Billboard at on the Billboard 200. Seven singles were released from that album, and they all reached the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So these songs include Wanna Be Startin' Something, Baby Be Mine, The Girl Is Mine featuring Paul McCartney, Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, Human Nature, and PYT, Pretty Young Thing. So these are some amazing songs that we all still sing today, and it's just incredible. So it sold 1 million copies worldwide per week. And it also sold an estimated 130,000 copies in the U.S. every year up until now. And according to Nielsen Sound Scan, Thriller was the 14th best-selling album of 2009 in the United States with 1.27 million copies sold. And that was the year, of course, that sadly we lost Michael Jackson. Now, it said it was his 14th studio album, but if you count the Jackson 5 LPs and his solo work, it was actually his 19th studio album, and his working title for Thriller was Starlight. Songwriter Ron Temperton eventually came up with the Thriller title, which is a lot better. It just grabbed attention. Now, the recording commenced on April 14th, 1982 at 12 noon with Jackson and Paul McCartney recording the duet, The Girl Is Mine. They also recorded Ebony and Ivory together and Say Say Say. But they got into a feud because Paul McCartney had basically given some advice to Michael Jackson saying that he should buy music catalogs. So he did. He bought the Beatles. Now, obviously, Paul wanted to buy his music back so that he could officially own it, but he was outbid by Michael Jackson and, you know, he saw the value in it and he spent about 50 million on the ATV tracks so their relationship kind of cooled down but i have to say it was one of the best at the time in music it was two amazing amazing legends just working together so Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson were both unhappy with the entire nine songs in the album, and they remixed every single song. And as I said, Thriller, the video, wasn't released until a year later, a full year after the album had been released. So it premiered on MTV 367 days later on December 2nd, 1983. Famously, of course, Vincent Price did the opening monologue. He was only paid like $1,000 for that. And it was a 14-minute video that back when MTV actually played videos, they played this twice an hour. And when I was a kid, we really didn't have cable at this time. So my mom's other sister would... She would... um 
she would record, she would get like a, a tape, a VHS tape, and she would record videos for me so that I could watch them. And she would always record Michael Jackson. So it was, of course, Thriller. And the other one that she recorded for me that I loved was The Way You Make Me Feel. So yeah, we didn't have cable for a long, long time. Now, in the video, Fred Astaire was a big fan of Michael Jackson and he attended a rehearsal. And this this um, website says, imagine if he was one of the zombie extras. Would not, would not shock me. That would have been great. So they actually added extra padding to Michael's iconic leather jacket. They wanted to make him look like bigger and tougher, which, you know, none of us really cared if he looked big and tough. We loved him. So there was that. And actually, the video of Thriller was played in a movie theater in California for a week so that it could qualify for an Oscar. And it's actually been recreated using Legos, which I have not seen. Now, the zombie dance sequence, it was filmed at the junction of Union Pacific Avenue and South Calzona Street in East Los Angeles. So if you're ever there, go ahead and check that out. According to this website, it's a good place to go. And then... In 1988, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 featured a zombie dressed as Michael Jackson. So this is legit how iconic this was. I knew a bunch of my friends, like younger sisters, that were really scared of the video. Like they would like scream and run away, just like I used to scream and run away when I saw Lou Ferrigno become the Hulk. So they screamed and ran away with Thriller. Now, we really did try to recreate this dance a lot as kids, but um, for some reason, we never fully got it. And then when Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo did this in 13 Going on 30, like I was just, I, I was just in heaven. Um, so the largest number of people doing the Thriller zombie dance routine um, in the Guinness World Book of Records is 13,000 597 people. That is absolutely incredible. Over 1,500 inmates in the Cebu Provincial Detention and Rehabilitation Center in the Philippines recreated the zombie dance as well. Now, this album completely broke down barriers because Beat It made it onto, quote, white radio stations due to Eddie Van Halen's guitar solo on the track, which Eddie recorded free of charge. These are the things that I love about music and musicians so much, because I know that the music industry is a tough one, but the fact that these musicians come together and pull together and give their art to other artists to make something incredible like that, I mean, this was half the reason, like, you know, we got to hear Beat It and we got to hear Thriller and, and, and we got to embrace Michael Jackson again, you know? Now, real, real gang members from the Bloods and the Crips were brought in as extras. And <laughs> Quincy Jones, as they were making this whole album, wanted Billie Jean to be titled Not My Lover so that people wouldn't think the song was about tennis player Billie Jean King, which actually I did think in the beginning. There was a rumor that Michael Jackson got the inspiration for Billie Jean after a female fan alleged that 
one of the Jackson five had fathered one of her children, but Michael Jackson refuted this claim and stated the song is based on a few groupies he encountered during performances. Interesting. Michael Jackson did his famous moonwalk. Do you remember that? He was performing Billie Jean at the 1983 TV, like Motown 25, yesterday, today, and forever. And that moment was so iconic. It was like the world stopped for a moment watching this man do the moonwalk. Now, Janet and LaToya both sang backup vocals on PYT, and they were the only members of the Jackson family to appear on the entire Thriller album. On June 27th, 2011, so this is about two years after we lost Michael Jackson, the red leather jacket from the Thriller video sold for $1.8 million at Julian's auctions. And Steve Porcaro of the band Toto co-wrote Human Nature and played synthesizers on three songs for the album. So, so many artists wanted to work with Michael Jackson and it's just amazing that they got to. So this is, um, this is incredible. Human Nature was the last song to be selected to be on Thriller and the track ousted a song called Carousel from the final track listing. Thriller was reissued on October 26th, 2001 in an expanded set titled Thriller Special Edition. The original tracks were remastered and the album included a new booklet and bonus material, including the songs Someone in the Dark, Carousel, and the original Billie Jean demo. And Michael achieved one of the highest royalty rates in the music industry at that point, approximately $2 for every album sold. And we all know that he had incredibly, incredibly extravagant taste. So he would, um, you know, shop. I remember watching him in all of these, like, there was a documentary where his kids' faces were covered at the time, and he was just going through a store in Vegas, pointing to all of these things that he loved, and I walked into that store years later, I was like, this is where Michael Jackson was, oh my goodness, and, you know, he's he's done some strange things, like when he dangled his baby over the balcony in, in Berlin, and, you know, he was very, very infamously on trial for allegedly essaying children, but he was found not guilty by a jury, and it's not something that I ever believed. So Thriller in and of itself was just a phenomenon because Michael Jackson, he he always... He was always around. He was always in our eye. He was always, you know, we we knew his voice. We knew his music. In my opinion, he became an artist away from what we thought he was going to be, if that makes sense. He, He became himself, I think, with this album, you know, artistically, his, his voice, um, his dance, it's like he was just on point. And I'm just, I just, I personally love the album so much and I still listen to it. And I actually used to play Michael Jackson songs in some of my fitness classes. And I remember this one lady 
like saying something to me. How dare could you play Michael Jackson? Like, look what he did. I said, what did he do? And she kind of tried to pick a fight with me that she, you know, believed Michael Jackson was guilty of harming these children. And I was like, well, I'm not going to apologize for playing a Michael Jackson song, especially when there's no evidence of what he did. She actually walked out of my class. <laughs> but there you go, toodles bitch, right? So, all right, I'm going through mental floss. So November 30th, 2017, Roger Cormier, he wrote 21 thrilling facts about Michael Jackson's thriller. So he was actually inspired by the Nutcracker Suite to do this this whole album. He had a dream of making the biggest selling album ever, and he wanted it to resemble Tchaikovsky's suite where every song is a killer. He told his musicians to think like Michelangelo, and he wanted them to create something like the Sistine Chapel of an album. Um, The album was almost titled Midnight Man. Quincy Jones wanted Rod Temperton to come up with an album, and he wrote down 200 to 300 possible titles in his hotel room before deciding on Midnight Man. And the next morning he woke up and said the word thriller popped into his head and something just said, this is the title. You could visualize it. This is true. You could visualize it on the top of the billboard charts and see merchandising. One word, thriller. I don't think Midnight Man would have done him well, especially with the allegations afterwards. So good, good choice, Rod Temperton. And Thriller, of course, was originally called Starlight. We, um, he wrote lyrics. We got to make it while we can. You need the starlight, some starlight sun. I need you by my side. You give me starlight, starlight tonight. And Jones liked the melody, but he asked Temperton to come up with something more like Edgar Allan Poe. And since the album title Thriller was already on the table, it was really easy to write a song called Thriller. And again, that Vincent Price made less than a thousand work, uh, dollars for his work. And he basically, Jones's wife, Peggy Lipton, knew Vincent Price. And he just did this in two takes, this horror movie legend. And basically, Price got frustrated over his meager paycheck. And that's it. He stopped talking to Michael Jackson. Did you know that Michael Jackson was sued for wannabe starting something because um, Cameroon, a musician, Manu Dibango, recorded Sol Makasa in 1972, and the song, it's sung in the Cameroonian language of the Duwala, and it elongated the phrase, Mamoko Mamoko. The whole thing we know, Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Kusa. So that's what Jackson changed it to, Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Kusa. But it was Mamako, Mama Sa, if that makes any sense to anyone as I'm reading this. So now this, this website claims that Billie Jean was actually about a specific girl who climbed over one Jackson's wall one morning and accused him of being the father of his twins. So... That was interesting. And then Michael Jackson obviously refuted that. Now, 
this one's interesting. It says Billie Jean almost killed Michael Jackson. So in his autobiography, he wrote that he was driving his Rolls Royce down the Ventura freeway during a recording session break. And he was thinking about the song so much that he didn't notice the bottom of his car was on fire and a kid on a motorcycle warned him in time. Interesting. Now, Michael Jackson admitted to Daryl Hall that he ripped off Hall and Oates. And that's interesting. Jackson approached him during We Are the World recording and admitted to cribbing the bass line from I Can't Go For That, No Can Do, for Billie Jean. So if you do recognize that bass line in Billie Jean, it came from Hall and Oates. And Billie Jean was actually mixed 91 times because Quincy Jones was like, let's go back and listen to number two. And then let's go back and listen to this and listen to this. And they actually went with the mix number two after 91 mixes. So the girl is mine came from Quincy Jones. It was a request. So Michael Jackson revealed during testimony that successfully fought a plagiarism allegation that the producer directed him to write a song about two men fighting over a girl. He said he later woke up in the middle of the night and sang the song into a tape recorder and Jones requested that he add a rap verse. Beat It, I love this, was inspired by My Sharona of The Knack and they basically wanted a black version of The Knack song. So now we all know that Eddie Van Halen played on the on the the album and he was actually out of town and he didn't think that anyone in the group would ever know, which is funny because how do you not know how Eddie Van Halen plays? And if you've ever heard his son Wolfgang play, you get Eddie all over again, but in a completely different way. His son is an incredible, incredible musician. Now, Human Nature... Um, this song was discovered because Toto didn't go cassette shopping. So David Pace worked on demos for Jones to potentially use for Thriller, sending him cassettes of virtually every song he could find every day. And then one day his roommate and Toto bandmate, Steve Percaro, was tasked with recording Pace's demos like onto a cassette. So he reused one of his own tapes because they were out of blank cassettes. And Jones didn't like the two songs, but he loved the next one, and it became an early version of Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Now, the title PYT, Pretty Young Thing, came from Peggy Lipton's lingerie. This is a little weird. So Jones took notice that his wife's lingerie said pretty young things on them, and he tasked the songwriters to come up with lyrics for the title, Tender Loving Care, whatever, it's interesting to see how Quincy Jones works as a producer with tasking things and, you know, doing all of that. Um, so CBS and MTV actually clashed over the Billie Jean video. So March 1983, Billboard magazine noticed a sizable delay between the video's delivery to the fledgling cable network and its first airing. MTV claimed they only played rock artists and were accused by some, including by Rick James, of being racist. So CBS Records presenter Walter Yedinoff threatened to pull all videos made by the label artist off of 
the network if they didn't play Billie Jean and the first video ran two to three times a day for a month before putting it into heavy rotation for the next three months. So this, I think David Bowie even had said something about MTV, like not playing a lot of black music and feeling that it was a bit racist. So Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones really, really came along and changed all of that. You know, it was really incredible because we would have missed all of this if Walter Yedinoff didn't threaten to pull all of these videos. It's incredible that people, you know, did stand up back in the 80s. So don't think that this is a today fight and that, you know, the outrage wasn't there in the 80s. It was. It was just quieter because we didn't have social media. Now, the Thriller music video cost only half a million dollars to make. So Showtime footed 300000 of the budget and the other 200000 it's actually not saying where that came from. Uh, I guess it was the producers. And what happened was they, he asked, Michael Jackson asked John Landis to direct the video after seeing him work, his work on the movie, one of my favorites, An American Werewolf in London. And he said, I want to turn into a monster. Can I do that? So there was a disclaimer at the beginning of the video because Jehovah's Witnesses, which Jackson belonged to at the time, told the artist that Thriller endorsed Satanism. (laughs) I remember the, um, I remember that disclaimer and I never knew what it was for. So that is incredible. And, um, people thought that this is really funny. There is a barcode number on Thriller and they thought that it was his home phone number. So people were like calling this and it actually was a hair studio, a hair salon in Bellevue, Washington, whose number was attached to this. So they were getting like 50 phone calls a day. And also a woman in Youngstown, Ohio had the phone number and the kids that were called her were nice, but adults were rude and ignorant. So there we are with the story and the fun facts about the album Thriller. Still one of my favorites will always be. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Messy Closet. And don't forget to keep art and keep love alive.